When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The following is an exclusive presentation of News Radio KMAN, your home for K State athletics. It's game time. This is the game on News Radio KMAN. So I see here that we've gone with two strategies for a wardrobe today. Troy, DG, they're repping the cats as Troy's wearing the uh, the pennant willy yeah. shirt. DG just has the white power cat purple shirt on. I'm the only one wearing a big 12 shirt today. Oh. I should have repped the big 12 today, man. God dang it. I well, only be, have one of those, to, unlike you. Well, to be real with you, yeah, exactly. It's not easy to get wardrobe with a big 12 logo on it. I get them no. because I'm, you know, press row for yeah, basketball. You're, you're important. I have a old ball boy shirt, an old green ball boy shirt that has... That not the updated one that you have, but like the old like sure. Roman numerals looking one. Um, I gotta bust that baby out. It's somewhere tucked, folded away. But uh, yeah, Big Twelve doing big things, baby. That's awesome. How, we haven't heard from you since uh, DG since the it became official. Yeah, I mean, just off the top of your head, what's it like having? Colorado back in the Big 12. You know, a lot of people are trying to downplay it, trying to make us feel bad about it. I don't care that they were they left and now they're coming back. I think it's cool. And it's also just this idea that they had us. Like the Pac-12 had the Big 12. They could have stomped on I mean, I just thinking about where K-State would be if they would have poached the other teams in the Big 12 and left us just out to dry. Where we would have ended up, I mean, it's crazy to think. And I so I, I feel for teams like Oregon State, Washington State, those fans, like, they've got to be dreading the next year or two of their life. It's going to be bad. Well, the next year especially, because it is just one year remaining on the media deal. A lame, bucks, uh, lame duck season yeah, in front of that conference. There you got to be struggling, man. Welcome to the game. The whole crew is here Friday. Mitch Fortner, Troy Coverdale, David G., Travion Berklin wearing his Mike Jack Thriller hoodie today. Nice. Uh, the phone number is 537-1350. And, uh, you know, if you do want to call in, you should probably do it now or later in the second hour because we are busy today. We have not one but two guests coming in uh, to talk about the transfer, Colorado from the Pac-12 to the Big 12. Here in our first hour, coming up at 4.30, we'll be joined by Colorado beat writer Craig Meyer. And then coming up at 5.10, the voice of the Colorado Buffaloes himself, Mark Johnson, will be on the show to get his two cents about the move for Colorado. Meanwhile, you know, last night I gave myself some homework. Mm. And that was... I hadn't done a top 10 list this week, and I thought like a top 10 list, a fun one would be just like, 
K-State versus Colorado memories. And I started to put a list together, and then I hit a major roadblock. And it was so major, I couldn't get off the topic. Oh, no. So, like, the, the top ten was going to be most memorable Colorado game versus K-State. Or vice versa, I guess, you know, since we're Manhattan, Kansas. And, I, you know, I came out with a number of them, and then I, then I started thinking about it. I didn't want to get there too early. You know, I, I knew it was there, but I would tackle it a little bit later. I had to think of, like, real deep think, deep thoughts, <laughs> pull out some real tough ones, some deep tracks yeah. of some memories I just hadn't thought about in a while. But I couldn't get past the roadblock. The thing is, my most memorable Colorado game featuring K-State as the opponent is a K-State loss. Yeah. Uh-oh. Yeah. I could not get past the 2002 game. Hmm. And it still is, to me, one of the most frustrating losses I can think of. Football, basketball, soccer, baseball, whatever. Volleyball. I'll throw volleyball in there. Still to this day is one of the most frustrating losses that I can think of. So frustrating, like, I could probably give you a play-by-play of the fourth quarter. It's so memorable. And I was 12 years old (laughs) when the game was played. And I had just, I had, like, just begun, just recently in that time, begun religiously watching the Cats, really becoming a true fan. I was playing a lot of sports at that time, real distracted by kid stuff Mm. at the time. 2002 was a big step for me when it comes to being a big K-State fan. The 2002 game stood out so much to me because, let me give you just the build-up, first of all. The build-up to the 2002 game, which, by the way, in Boulder, K-State lost 35-31. But K-State was coming off a bye. Who did they just beat previously? USC. Mm. They're 4-0. I mean, riding high, unranked uh, going into the USC game, if I remember correctly. And back in the top 25 after beating USC. In a great game, beating Carson Palmer, who won the Heisman Trophy. Now, after that, Cats are 13th in the country. The week prior for USC, or for Colorado, rather, they're on a bye. So both teams are coming off a bye. But it's kind of like that triangular round robin. Because USC, prior to coming to Manhattan, was in Boulder. Oh, wow. Whoa. As a matter of fact, let me give you USC's non-conference. Non-conference schedule for 2002. So you had at Colorado, you had at K-State, and then, by the way, their first game was Auburn. At home? They played every game of 2002 regular season against a Power 5 opponent. Wow. And they finished with just two losses. Yeah, they were good. Their yeah. other loss was in an overtime game against Washington State. And Washington State was really good. Oregon State was really good at the time. Four of their first five opponents were in the top 25. Unbelievable. Colorado at the time was in the top 25 when when USC visited Boulder. And USC won that game 40-3. to Wow. So you got to understand that USC just waxed Colorado. K-State takes care of business against the Trojans. Their intimidating fight song comes into Manhattan, Kansas. The Cats survive. Yeah. 
So you got to think. You're going into Boulder. Has not been historically a great place for K-State to play. No. Because prior to 2002, K-State had won, I think, just two or three times. It, it had been rough mm-hmm. in Boulder. Long history there, too. Um, so, yeah, rough history. And... Like, it still just irks me as I'm about to break this down for everybody. If you don't remember, oh, and by the way, Colorado had also played UCLA in their non conference and they beat USC. That was at the Rose Bowl and they won that game. That was a top 25 opponent. Really weird non conference. Really weird non. By the way, in, in K State's playing, you know. A bunch of softies prior to USC, <laughs> right? That was the that was the. I remember that was being like that was like a big big headline. Bill Snyder in a soft non con schedule until USC arrives. Meanwhile, USC is has had you know everything firing away at them when it comes to Power Five and in college football at the time. Insane, but that was a game where Colorado's. They're I think they're two and two at the time, and. I mean, their their defense was like giving up 483 yards a game or whatever, and Colorado scores on a 94 yard touchdown, 85 yard touchdown, 71 yard touchdown. K State's D is just giving up these gigantic mm-hmm. plays, and before you know it, you're in the third quarter. The Cats are down 35 to 14. I'm like, how in the hell <laughs> is this happening? You have a you have a senior quarterback for Colorado. And Robert Hodge, oh my, who had been sitting on the bench until Joe Clatt could take a hike. Wow. And he finally is now a starting quarterback after all this time. He'd only been with the program for a year prior, I guess. But you get to the fourth quarter, and K-State's able to battle back into a t- within a touchdown. And it's 35-28, 22 minutes to go, or tw- uh, 12 minutes to go, rather. And it's a seven-point game, muff punt by Colorado, the Cats pick it up at the at the Colorado 30. I'm like, yes, yes, yes. Finally, after being down 21 points, they're going to march down the field, this, the rest of the field, and score a touchdown. Of course, it wasn't going to be that easy. This is where the real frustration came in. Because after the muff punt, I mean, K-State is about to go three and out. Really, they did go three and out. Because L. Roberson is changing a play at the line of scrimmage, and he changes it into an option. Bill Snyder is teed off. They decide to go for it on fourth down. And by the way, there's an injury. And after they get out of the huddle, it's a fourth down play. they got to burn a timeout. I mean, it's absolute chaos for K-State right now. Things could not be going worse. First road game of the season, no less. I had to fire off a T.O. because there's too many men on the field. But Travis Wilson gets a first down. Ah, Travis. So faith is restored. Three plays later, nothing's happening. It's fourth and three at the Colorado four. Bill decides to go for it. Guess what? Roberson changes the play again to an option left. Colorado was ready for it. And Darren Sproles gets demolished on the sideline. Luckily, Colorado goes three and out. Cats get the ball back. Roberson with, I'm trying to think now, it's like five minutes to go, I'm guessing. Perfect ball to James Terry. But he was a little bit late. Still, James Terry bobbles the ball through the back of the end zone, and it's incomplete. (sighs) 
Cats still get a first down, though, at the Colorado 11 after a pass interference. So they get bailed out there. Run goes nowhere. False start. L gets sacked. 35-yard field goal on a fourth and 18. That's all you can do. And, uh. and like, in case it was being criticized on that previous fourth down of not kicking a field goal, like Brent Musper, he's like, aren't you guys kicking the, the field goal? You know, why would you? Yeah, wh- whatever. Whatever. So it's 35-31. Onside kick, you would think, with 2-10 to go. Nope, we kick it deep. Ooh. With one timeout left. One timeout left. Kick it deep with two minutes, ten seconds to go. Confidence in Brett Bilma's defense. And I, could I, you can probably count on one hand how many off, off, well, off, or onside kicks Bill Snyder ever did. I mean, there, there, And there's more frustration here because, again, Robert Hodge, he, he's still learning even though he's a senior quarterback. He's a you know, nobody. Real pressure here. Hmm. Just needs to run out the clock or get a first down. The idiot takes a snap, rolls out, and runs out of bounds. Whoa. Saves some time. Third down and eight. K-State just needs a stop. They're about to get the ball back. And Hodge is throwing the football. I'm like, they are just giving it back to us with a decent amount of time. Wow. He throws, he just lets it rip, throws it deep. Well, you might remember this name in James Dunnigan. Yeah, I do. Defensive back. Doesn't know where the football is. Grabs the wide receiver. Oh, pass interference. Game over. It was wildly overthrown. Uh, wildly overthrown. It still got the flag. That today is still one of the most frustrating losses I can recall. Oof. I, and I want to like because the first game I ever went to was '97 Colorado, and it was a cold day. I think it starts snowing towards the end. And I, I'm seven. I don't know the history of K-State football, but it had been a while. It had been a decade and a half since K-State had beaten Colorado. And the Cats win. It's like a three-score or it's like a three score game. Cats win. Uh, there was an interception right at the end. Fans are storming the field. I think this is the coolest thing I've ever been to. They tear down the right goal or the, uh, the north end goal post and carry it out. What, what a finish. <laughs> I, Ron Prince used twice beat the crap out of Colorado. Yeah. I mean, he couldn't beat KU. Couldn't beat Nebraska nope. or Missouri, nope. but man, could he lay it to Colorado <laughs> and Texas? He oh, had their number. James Johnson and Leon Patton had some days. Wow! So did Jordy Nelson. What an example of live and die by L. Roberson. Yeah, twenty-one carries, one hundred seventy-eight yards, and a touchdown. But he also was five of thirteen passing for eighty-three yards. Was that you talking the two thousand two game? Yes. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, live or die by L. Roberson that night in what was the first road game of the year. They had so many chances for the equalizer, yet so many mistakes. Yikes. 320 yards of offense to 194. Outplayed them, but gave up 289 through the air to Hodge. And you brought up the three big plays that went for scores. Jeremy Bloom, one for 94. Ah. One catch, 94 yards. Brian Calhoun, 171. Brian Calhoun was their guy. That was their running. Man, that guy was good. So, yeah. And and we're talking, I mean, this was ABC, nationally televised, huge game. Cats jumped right back into the top 25 and number 13. They're back, baby, after a a, a downer of a 2001 season. Sproles with an efficient 16 (laughs) carries, 121, and three touchdowns. I mean, really, by all rights, the man. You complete two passes, three passes more than what he did, and and 
that's a different ball game. Ugh. Yeah. Five of 13. It, it always seemed like once K-State got going and started being more ranked, those games were primetime games. By they, the way. They were always on. Here's the scoreboard for that day in the Big 12. Because that was... Yeah, week one of Big 12 play 2002. The, the only team that did not play a conference opponent was Nebraska. They blew out McNeese. 38-14. Your other games were all conference games. Baylor 35-32 over Kansas. Oklahoma 31-24 over Mizzou. Texas 17-15 over OK State. And Texas Tech needed overtime to slip past Texas A&M 48-47. Opening week of the Big 12. It was a little That wild. was crazy. Yeah. Let's go to the phone lines, 537-1350. Rick from Manhattan, you were at that game, huh? Yeah, and um, I'll say that uh, the people I was with, we seem to think L had a concussion. He just uh, he just wasn't thinking wasn't thinking right, and he got, he got blew up a couple times. I think if the game were in a more current time, he probably wouldn't have finished the game because all of his reactions were just slow, and he just kind of – Stopped at times, and he was not playing like his normal self. Now, <laughs> I will also say he had his faults, but in that one, I just, I just don't think he was himself. Mm. And that's probably why he just stopped throwing the ball because he just, by react, his 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 instinct was to run it, and he couldn't, he wasn't running normal for himself. So it was an ugly game. Yeah, I just remember. Coach Snyder being so frustrated with L with the with the play changes and the audibles. Rick, how were the uh, the Colorado fans that day? <laughs> okay, so that is the one and only game in Boulder I went to, and the fans were horrible. Oh. We and they won, yeah. and they won. So I'd hate I hate to go to a game there when when they lost. <laughs> so so here's the story. Back way back then, everybody put magnets on their vehicles, you know, and power sure. magnets. So we're driving back to our hotel, and it's on the interstate that that's like between Boulder and Denver. And there's people, you know, go, it's it's game day traffic, so there's kind of a slow gridlock. People were swerving over, acting like they were going to take the magnets off our car. I mean, in live traffic, yeah, it was. I have no need to go back to a Colorado game, and I. I doubt they're going to be humble and welcome us back either. The the Boulder Turnpike is a disaster on game days. Rick, really yeah, appreciate so, it. Yeah, really appreciate yep, the call, sir. Thank you. Thank you, Rick. Thanks, Rick. That was awesome. <laughs> All right, we need to take a break, and when we come back, our first of two Colorado guests, we're going to hear from the uh, voice of the Colorado Buffaloes, Mark Johnson at 510. But coming up next, get a media perspective on this with Colorado beat writer Craig Meyer up next on the game. We continue on the game. Mitch Fortner, Troy Goverdale, David G., Travion Berkland, the whole crew is here. We continue on what's been now a three-day discussion of Colorado. It's official now as of yesterday afternoon. It was happening live here on the show that Colorado officially jumping back to the Big 12 from the Pac-12 after about 12, 13 years uh, in the Pac-12. They'll have one more season with the Conference of Champions. 
Let's continue this discussion as we are now joined via the phone line. It's Colorado beat writer Craig Meyer. He is with CU Sports Report. He's also a publisher for his own college sports newsletter called The Front Porch. Um, Craig, thank you for joining us here. What a wild week it's been. What has the last week been for you covering Colorado? Uh, it's been a little bit, uh, it's definitely been a little bit chaotic here. I mean, this was something that was sort of bandied about and was percolating really for the better part of, I'd say, the past five, six months. Um, you know, and it was saying, you know, as the Pac 12s was as far as trying to secure a new TV deal continued. Um, and it just really seemed like not, it, it, it seemed like not a whole lot of progress was being made on that front. I think that's really been amplified here over the past couple of weeks, especially at the league's media day last week, you know, where, uh, where they're talking about, oh, you know, well, we, you know, we don't want to talk about that because we, you know, cause we'd like to talk about our football product here. Where it just got to the point where it became very clear that there was nothing resembling a, uh, a, a suitable resolution there on the uh, forefront. So, um, you know, I, it, it's still even when a move like that happens, especially given it coming that quickly, it's really, it is a little bit surprising, you know, just, I mean, it was a 48 hour period from when the news kind of first leaked until when the board unanimously voted to put that to have Colorado come back to the big 12. So it's been a little bit, a little bit hectic, but I guess overall, not entirely, uh, not entirely unexpected. You know, this was something that at least seemed like it was possible for the better part of, you know, probably for the better part of a year. Yeah, Craig, you're so right. When the news started to leak, it happened It happened so fast. And we were hearing even reports of last week, the day before Pac-12 Media Day, that Colorado was expecting more specifics when it comes to a new media rights deal. And, and George did not deliver. Were, were you at Pac-12 Media Day? I was unfortunately not, no, but, you know, but I, I took in everything from there as far as the press conferences and some yeah. of the comments. And, uh, yeah, it seemed like definitely a bit of an, uh, seemed like a bit of an awkward time down to the fact all this was happening in a Las Vegas nightclub. So. Well, for you and, you know, and, you know, whatever media circle you're involved in, like, I, I got to know, like, what was your initial reaction when George Klyovkov had that blunder towards the end of his press conference where he's like, you know, the, we want the folk, we can announce a deal today, but we're focusing today on football. Well, I think one of the wild things was like, I, I you know, and I don't even think this is just, this is even just the reporter in the sense. I think a lot of people who follow college sports and are, you know, and, and you know, at least have some knowledge of the nuances of all. It's like I heard that and, and thought, okay, so you do have a deal. You're just not wanting to, uh, you know, you're just not wanting to unveil it today. And it was just, you know, and then people followed up on that, and he's like, well, no, you know, I think you're reading a little bit too much into that. I'm like, no, man, like that's like the natural reaction there. Like that, you know, I, I mean, even just the college sports fan in me hears that, and you know, and and that's kind of my first thought there. So it was a. Uh, it was a very odd blunder. I, I, I mean, there's been so much talk and so much of the fair about really what, really what a disastrous tenure Larry Scott had atop the Pac-12. You know, where he was someone who came in with all this promise and all and all of this and all of this uh, bluster. I mean, it's wild just to go back and read some of the quotes that he had early in his tenure when they added Colorado and Utah. It's like, oh, history will look back on this as a bold and exciting move. Like, bro, like you're the like you're a conference commissioner, man. Like you're, you know, like you're not Winston Churchill here. And then he, you know, and, you know, and, and he just had a, 
disastrous tenure down to these really expensive Pac-12 offices and studios in San Francisco with just absurdly high rent. Um, you know, the fact that the football product almost, you know, the football product kind of languished uh, for a bit kind of oddly. Now it, it'll be going out on a pretty high note this year. And I think that, that there was some promise with this guy out that the new guy will uh, kind of ride the ship a bit, make it, I guess, a little bit more of a serious kind of functioning conference. And, and with and with George Klyevkov, like, you know, it, it seems he's not as, I guess, cartoonishly inept of a figure, but the, the one thing that he really had to do, he still, ha- you know, he still hasn't done. It's something they've been working hard on for the for. 12, 13 months here, and they haven't gotten a TV deal, and that is, if you look at the reasons why Colorado's made this move and gone back to Big 12, like 13 years after it left, that's by far the, the biggest reason. Yeah, I'm sure you're still a part of this, you know, surprised that there hasn't been anything close to a deal done with the media rights deal, but you know, at, at this point, how shocked are you that there still hasn't been any... Uh, talks from the Pac-12, like anything done when it comes to realignment, adding programs. Yeah, I think that's one of the other big factors too. You know, the Big Twelve obviously had a bit of a, a bit of a head start because because you had Texas and OU leave leave the Big Twelve about a year before UCLA and USC did the same thing in the Pac-12. Um, you know, so by the Pac- by the time the Pac-12 could add schools, Houston, UCF, Cincinnati, and BYU were already off the board. But yeah, I mean they weren't pro. I think you know the Big Twelve added those uh, those four schools relatively quick, uh, relatively quickly. I mean these are things that obviously take a while to kind of formalize. But you know, but the Pac twelve, there's sort of a will they won't they with the San Diego State. You know, schools like Boise State seem uh, seem like pretty uh, per, pretty logical. As I know that uh, you know, I know SMU was was uh, was kind of bandied about with it, but. It really was mostly ju- uh, just a speculation, and you know, and and nothing happened. I mean, the San Diego State example illustrated it well, where that's a school that left their conference. I think they were, I think they were out of the Mountain West for all of like two weeks. But you know, when they leave that conference, you kind of safely, you kind of safely assume, okay, they're going to go to the Pac-12. But nothing ended up happening there, so it was just sort of very kind of awkward in between there. You know, and the thing that I've kind of realized, you know, I, you know, I've, I've lived in Pac-12 country for uh, for, uh, for about a year there, but I lived east in Mississippi uh, before that for my entire life. And I always thought that the Big Ten was kind of the stuffiest, snobbiest, maybe most self-important conference. But, man, like, the Pac-12 is not too far. It, you know, it, uh, it isn't too far behind. I think there's a reason that those two conferences uh, play, uh, play each other in the Rose Bowl every year. Just... You know where there was there wasn't uh, unanimity as far as adding the uh, as far as adding these uh, these different schools. I mean, we saw it a couple years ago where the Pac-12 had a chance to effectively kill off the Big 12 after Texas and OU left, but some of those schools kind of turned their uh, turned their nose up at the thought of adding you know Texas Tech or Oklahoma State or schools like that and. Obviously, the hubris there has been, uh, you know, it's been pretty palpable here over the past uh, couple days. Our guest is Craig Meyer. He's with CU Sports Report, and he has his own newsletter covering college sports called The Front Porch. Uh, Craig, going back to the actual move with Colorado, coming back to the Big 12, you know, Deion Sanders has made quite the impact already, becoming the head coach, and now 
season tickets are sold out, and there's so much hype now around college football coming off a 1-11 season. But he's, of course, been vocal lately about – uh, the potential move for Colorado, right? I mean, there's a, the potential of getting back to recruiting in the state of Texas. Might be a hard question to answer, but in your opinion, how much impact do you think Deion Sanders had? I think that it definitely had some. You know, we talked with the Colorado's AD Rick George last night after the move was uh, formalized and finalized. You know, you know, and you know, and he had basically been, he had been asked what was effectively that the question too, and. You know, he he had said he had consulted with uh, with all of his coaches on that, especially you know their football coach, men's basketball coach, women's basketball coach, and that all the coaches basically gave him the green light to do this. But for someone like uh, for someone like Deion Sanders, I mean, he's obviously, I mean, in the span of the seven eight months that he's been there, I mean, the guy's effectively the face. Uh, you know, he's effectively the face of CU's at, uh, CU's athletics department. He has yet to coach a game. Um, you know, that's just sort of the, um, you know, it's just sort of the force of personality that he has. Um, so he was definitely, con- uh, he was definitely consulted on that. And he's someone who, yeah, you know, he obviously played professionally in that state for the Cowboys. It's where he lived most of his post-playing career, coached high school ball there. So he's someone who I think regardless of what conference uh, that CU, then he would have recruited that state very, uh, very heavily. He's got a lot of cachet, a lot of power there, a lot of connections. Um, but I think that that recruiting pitch becomes a lot more effective when you're playing in the Big 12, when there are four Texas-based schools there, as opposed to the Pac-12, where CU is the closest school. So, uh, you know, I think that was definitely a factor, but I don't think that, or I certainly for CU would hope that that wouldn't be one of the main driving factors, especially when you're talking about someone here who, you know, with Dion, I'd be, uh, you know, whether it goes uh, incredibly well or whether his tenure goes disastrously, I, I, I'd be surprised if he's there in like four years. So you don't want to make this sort of a lasting, long-term institutional decision based on that. But, um, yeah, he was somebody who was certainly consulted in this. You brought up the fact that Rick George mentioned discussing it with all of his coaches, and I think in the grand scheme of things, we've not even really truly considered the other sports. Tad Boyle in basketball has had success in the Pac-12, but not to the level that you would want to see a program coming into the Big 12 have. Have you gotten any idea from him as to how he's taking this idea of a move? I think Tad Boyle's pretty thrilled with it in you know in some respects. You know he's someone who you know who played at Kansas has you know very deep affection for that place. He coached in the Big Twelve, I think, for one year before he ended up going to the Pac twelve. So I think that there's some familiarity there. But I would also think as a coach, you know, the guy's obviously a, you know obviously a competitor and a certain level of confidence. I don't think you can be a major D one basketball coach, you know, uh, with uh, with at least a tiny bit of an ego. But I I also think that that coaches probably have to look at a league like the Big Twelve pretty realistically and be like, man, like somebody has to finish and last in that league. I mean, there are some just incredible programs there, and it's by far I think the deepest conference in the sport and. You know, and it's been that way for the better part of a decade now. You know, we have two of the past three national champions. I think they got seven of their ten teams into the tournament field last year. Um, and it just, you know, and that's before they end up adding uh, adding Houston, who has one of the highest win forward over the past few years. You add Cincinnati, which is the top 15, 20 all-time program. You had BYU, who's 
typically been pretty good, um, you know, and, you know, and uh, Central Florida's had some decent years, too. I mean, they almost, uh, they almost knocked off that uh, Zion Williamson-Duke mm-hmm. team a few years ago in the tournament. So, I mean, I would realistically look at, I mean, CU's been in, in you know, they've been in a pretty interesting spot where Tad Boyle's definitely been their their most sustainably successful coach there. He's taken it to the tournament. Let's say I think five or six times over uh, over his thirteen year tenure there, which I want to say that they made the tournament that uh, that many times in like the previous forty years right. before uh, before he uh, before he got there. But things have definitely tailed off a little bit. Um, I think next year though could be a real you know could be a pretty drastic change for him where they bring in two top bring two top one hundred recruits, including a top ten guy in Cody Williams who's been projected as a top ten NBA draft pick. So. I think next year, you know, and and with the way that you know, with with some of the juice that they have on on the recruiting trail, could be a bit of, you know, could be a bit of a catalyst for them. And I think going into the Big Twelve, um, you know, I think that I think that that'll definitely help them because with you know, with the departure of UCLA and uh, and USC, that was a the Pac-12 was a basketball league that was about to get wired down a little bit, even with schools like Arizona and Oregon still there. But going to the Big 12, those guys will know that they'll be competing in the deepest, most competitive, and I think certainly best basketball conference in the country. So uh, so some of their recent recruiting improvements, I think the conference, which should only help that, but obviously things can be a little bit unpredictable. And, you know, tap the guy who... Is getting up there in age, you know, he might at some point just decide to retire. But you know that I'm, he hasn't talked too much about when the, uh, about uh, about when that might occur. So I think for right now, it's kind of safe to assume he'll be there for at least a few years. Great. Before I let you go, I'd uh, love to kind of pick your brain on this, get your opinion on. It was reported today the Big Twelve would love to, get, obviously, going to try to get to fourteen. Uh, probably at the most right now would be potentially adding three more in sixteen. Um, you know who who would be your your betting favorites on who could be out of the big or out of the Pac-12 rather jumping to the Big 12 to follow Colorado? Yeah, I think that the other three, uh, the other three of the quote-unquote four corner schools. You know, you're talking about Arizona, Arizona State, and the Utah. There, those to me would probably make uh, would probably may, uh, make the most sense. Although with this conference re, uh, realignment stuff. I'm still somewhat of, of a geographic purist, you know, so I think that that would maybe make sense, but, you know, you've heard Connecticut a whole lot. Um, that to me, I just, you know, I get the value of that, but that's, you know, from a basketball standpoint, we're having a great women's basketball program, the defending men's basketball national champions, but that football program's just, I mean, they haven't, I mean, they've been, they were good for a couple years, you know, but you know, and they just won six and six this year. But I mean, that it's just not a good program. And I, I just that one, I, I just you know, they made such an effort and such a stink about getting back into the Big East and kind of getting back to their roots, and then turning around and going to the Big Twelve in a league where they'd be a huge, uh, a huge geographic outlier, even more than like the West Virginia. But you know, I think with a, I think with Brent. Your mark. It seems like he's he seems pretty committed to really making the Big Twelve a you know a a national conference, and I think extending up into the Northeast, getting close to uh, getting close to that New York market. There it seems like something that he would possibly pr- uh, prioritize. So you know, I think that 
I, I, I think that there are a lot of different scenarios out there. I mean, you could even say that, you know, that while the Big 12's in kind of this, this position of strength, they may even try to go for an Oregon or for a Washington. But I'd say that the two Arizona schools in Utah, those would probably be my picks. All right, well, Craig, great work and uh, greatly appreciate your time. And uh, maybe down the road we'll see you here in Manhattan or over in Boulder. Thank you so much for your time. Oh, great, guys. Thank you all. That's Craig Meyer from CU Sports Report. That's Rivals and uh, has his own newsletter following college sports called The Front Porch. Let's take a break. More of Hour 1 of the game is up next. Yeah. Back on the game. Mitch Fortner, Trey Coverdale, David G. Travion Berklin wrapping up hour one of the show. Hour two, we're busy, folks. Voice of the Colorado Buffaloes, Mark Johnson joining us at 510. Is Brett your mark applying pressure on the other Pac-12 schools? We'll discuss in the second hour as well. With without having DY on, on Wednesday and all this Colorado stuff happening, like I've completely flying under the radar this week is how important of a recruiting weekend it is for K-State football. And it's a weekend yesterday. I mean, having some pretty big recruits in town, Michael Boganowski of Junction City, uh, Grant Bricks, who's the uh, top overall recruit out of the state of Iowa for the class of 2024. He's a 6'6", 270-pound offensive tackle, and a four-star recruit, according to rivals, uh, also including a number of commits as well, including Gus Hawkins, John Price, who is the running back commit for 2024, Caden Massey, who is setting some uh, some weightlifting records at Linden. Hmm. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Kyle Rakers also. Uh, I also saw this name pop up as a visitor. So you remember that, 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 I think it was a vine that went viral of this kid saying LeBron James' name. He's yeah. like, LeBron, LeBron James. James. Mm-hmm. There is a uh, a recruit. He's 6'6", 225-pound tight end for the class of 25. He's from Derby. His name is, I think it's Desan Brame. And the first thing I, w- I thought was <laughs> Desan Brame. Oh, that's I was like, funny, dude. If but he's a four-star kid. In, if you drop that in the broadcast this Whoa. fall on opening night. Hey, week one, baby. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what? Speaking of high school football, college football, and the clash that it, you know, Brett Yormar, if I have one issue Uh with the guy and that is more games on Friday nights yeah I hate it hate it the thing is so when K-State plays at Oklahoma State do you know what day that is it's a Friday night it is and it's Manhattan versus Junction City whoa yeah Yeah. that's one of the issues that I had uh even when you got to talking about uh you know Colorado and their offseason or their uh non-conference schedule back when I was dealing with that schedule because you wound up where they and Colorado State were scheduled on a Friday night and it was the same Friday night as Greeley Central, Greeley West. Yeah. A cross-down rivalry. I mean, you're, you're left in a no-win situation. That's crazy. Manhattan JC's sacred ground, brother. Somebody talk to your mark. Of all the recruits, and I'm I'm really going off of what Mason uh, Mason both did a great job of covering this on email online with all the recruits coming in this week for football. It's not just the class of 24, 25 as well. Of all the recruits, I'm counting. Let me let me count these up one more time just to be clear here. Uh, I'm double checking here. 
Uh, there are five four stars uh, in town or were in town um, for the class, and some of them for the class of twenty twenty five. Jaden Woods is a uh, one. He's he's a Kansas kid, Mill Valley. Um, who's a who's a defensive end, weak side defensive end, 6'3", 230 pounds. He's a number four kid out of the state of Kansas for the class of uh, twenty twenty five. There's a ton of. Uh, Kansas kids well, and, that are involved and in this as well. I did see last evening on the way home driving Kimball that footage was rolling on the big screens. I also saw there was a, I'm sorry, I don't remember the name, but there was a gender reveal as yes. well at Bill Snyder yes. Family Stadium. I think it was yesterday. Yes. It, a a, a recruiting, staffer for K-State. Recruiting staffer. Yeah. I, I'm sorry, I don't remember who the, the name. Uh, I remember seeing it on Twitter, and I've seen it. Her name, around, I just, I'm sorry, I don't remember, but there, a gender reveal at the bill. Like, if I were to do one, I think that maybe just the way I would go, you know, small cr- crew, <laughs> do it on the big screen. It's a boy, it's a girl. That'd be cool. It's like simple, but also extravagant at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. you're using a college football stadium. Yeah, that's pretty dope. cool. Yeah. I would do it, I'd do it where you have the group, but you all huddle up and call a play. If it's a run, then it's a boy. If it's a pass, it's a girl, you know? And you'd get out there, and maybe get some coaches out there to just like run you through some some drills and stuff. I did. I did see someone uh, with footage online where they did a, a wrestling match. Yeah, ah, that and, was awesome. That was and, a good one. Yeah, that was done pretty well. That was really that, was, good. that was pretty good. Yeah, I like that. Well, guys, we got a pretty busy hour number two. Like I said earlier, of course, we got number one song of the day and ask us anything. I'm actually going to bounce before ask us anything. I've been picked to ask. Uh, been uh, asked to pick something up. Dinner, what? but. Voice of the Colorado Buffaloes after this break is going to be joining us. He is Mark Johnson. This will be his 20th season with Colorado. Doesn't seem possible. So he remembers some Big 12 play. Yes. I'll have to pick his brain about some of the old days, plus what the new days have in store for Colorado. Plus, Brett Yormark, is he putting pressure on the Pac-12 schools? Got a busy hour, too. Don't go anywhere. 537-1350 is also the phone number to call. Hour two, and also your local news. Coming up next.